word we're going to share a bit today. Is that okay? Who remembers what I shared on two weeks ago when I was sharing? Anybody? Wow. Wow. Remember I said I wasn't coming as a preacher or as a teacher or as a theologian, but I was coming as a worshipper. And we talked about clean hands and a pure heart before God. Does that start to jog your memory? There's a few people. Because I think we have to actually, you know, it's really easy to listen to stuff, but what do we do with it? Because we can say that was really good or that was really bad. But what do we do with it in the end? And it's always important that we get into a habit, I think, of when we listen to something, whether it's here, whether it's you're listening to something on podcast or whether you li- or YouTube or whatever, that it's like we need to say, God, what are you saying to me through that? Is that okay? Otherwise, we hear, but we don't actually do anything with it. And we never want to be a people that hear the Word of God, but then don't do anything with it. Is that, is that okay? So this morning's a bit different as well, and I hope that's Okay. So, Lord, we want to thank you that we can gather as brothers and sisters. We can gather in this place together. God, we thank you that you are for us, you're not against us, that you never leave us nor forsake us. But, Lord, we thank you also that we have people that we can lean upon, people that can come and lift up our hands, people that can, if we're struggling, that we can say, can you you stand with me? Can Can you pray with me? And so, God, we just want to break off any lie of the enemy that would seek to say that I don't have anybody, seek, seek to say that, you know, that, um, yeah, that we just go off and do our own thing. God, just give us eyes to see, God, the people that you've placed around us to build us up, to strengthen us and encourage us in these key days. Lord, we ask that you would just, Lord, that our hearts will be open to you, open to your word and open to your spirit this morning as we're in this place. We thank you that your word is living and active. And we thank you, your spirit is at work amongst us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to get to this topic of covenant love eventually. And to be honest, I don't really quite know where I'm fully going. But I I just want to share with you, someone said, awesome, that's good. Anyone, Anyone like it when we just set the sail and we just see where the wind of the spirit just blows us? Some, some people like that. Other people are like, no, I want structure. Give me structure. And the people that like structure have to get a bit more flexibility. And the people that are really flexible actually need a little bit more structure. That's true, isn't it? That's actually true. I want to share some stuff with you this morning as we get into the Word because I just want to be authentic. That's my heart is to be real, to be authentic, to be transparent. And one of the verses of leadership that God um, put on my heart years and years and years and years and years ago now was from the Apostle Paul. And he said, we cared so much for you. So this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Thessalonica. He said, we cared so much for you that we were pleased, we were delighted to share not only with you the Word of God, but also our own lives because you become so dear to us. So it wasn't just about giving someone the Word of God and saying, there you go, but it was about being able to share a life. And to me, that's a leadership principle. And there are some Bible colleges, unfortunately, that don't teach those things. 
but it's important that we do. Because it's not only just about ministry, it's, it's, it's not about just sharing the word, it's not just about sharing that, but it's about sharing our lives. Is there an amen? So I've had one of those weeks this week where I didn't even know whether I'd get here today. It's been that heavy. And I knew that there was, there was, there was witchcraft, I knew there was a Jezebelic thing going on because I've encountered it before, I had a period about 10 years ago where I was just under the hammer. And I reached out to some prophetic friends of mine across the nation and I said, will you just pray for me? And they were seeing some stuff that was going on. You know, for me, the way it affects me is my head just feels like it's going to explode. I feel just like this pressure in my head. And with that comes the enemy start to say stuff like, you're a failure. You know, everything you do fails. You know, there's just this constant barrage, 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 barrage of negativity that starts to flow through your mind to the point where you feel like giving up. Has anyone else ever, ever felt that in their walk? So I share this because I think some people go, oh yeah, that's just Tim or whatever and he just goes on cloud nine all the time. You bounce around like an energizer buddy, buddy, bunny. But, you know, we go through stuff. But the key is to keep trusting in Jesus. And the key is to not let any of those lies actually take root in you. Because if you start to partner with those lies, that's when they start to take root. But you actually go, no, 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 that's actually not true. And so the thoughts come through, but you deal with those thoughts in Jesus' name. And you reach out to other people and you go, will you pray with me? I need some prayer support. It's so important. But at the same time, I was so aware that God was speaking to me in the midst of it all. That he was, and sometimes in the midst of the battle, sometimes in the midst of the fire, sometimes in the midst of this stuff that goes on around us, we miss what God is saying. And so we need to continue to position ourselves to say, God, what are you saying to me? And I found myself as that was happening in the midst of the battle that I knew God, that God was speaking to me. And he was speaking to me in all kinds of ways, through all kinds of people in all different circumstances. He spoke to me about the word metamorphosis. You see, when we talk about transition, when, or when we talk about other stuff, we can, we can think about I'm transitioning from one assignment to another or from one ministry to another or from one thing. So we're transitioning from something to something. But metamorphosis is actually about what's happening on the inside of you. It's actually changing you. God is actually changing you. Amen? So our perspective is sometimes, you know, what we're doing, but actually God is going, no, no, I actually want to work in you. Someone sent me a message during the week, which was a message that I, that I, that I read, that I read, that I listened to, and I listened to again about the Malachi mandate. And they were umming and ahhing, saying, should I send Tim this message about the Malachi mandate because he already gets enough stuff and he doesn't really need any more. But then they found out that the person who was speaking, that, that their youngest son was named Malachi and that the leader of the church that they're a part of is named Mal that their youngest son is called Malachi and they're going, oh, I'm going to send it to Tim because there's a Malachi. And it was such a beautiful message. It was such a message seeing Elijah from a whole different perspective because I've heard messages about Elijah being a failure. When the Jezebel influence came towards him and he ran into the cave, that people would see Elijah as a failure. But this message had a whole different slant on it. That here was a prophet 
that was a powerful man of God. And he was speaking stuff like, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. He was a powerful man of God. He was truly a prophet of the Lord. Amen? And not only that, but that his ministry actually saw a nation turn to God in a day. Remember when they're up on Mount Carmel? And the prophets of Baal are slashing themselves and they're getting into a frenzy trying to call down the fire, you know, on the sacrifice and it just wasn't happening. And Elijah was saying, is, like, is that all your God's got? You're like, maybe you need to shout a bit louder. And then Elijah comes forth and he makes sure that it cannot be anything else because he says, pour some water on this, on this wood, you know, all this stuff. And he calls it down and God just reveals himself and people fall flat on their faces and they say, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. How powerful is that? To see a nation turn to God like that. Come on. But then in the midst of the battle, his life is under threat in a sense, but he starts to see stuff that's actually not there. So he runs into a cave. I'm trying to lengthen, I'm, I'm trying to lengthen this story. I'm trying to shorten this story. Oh. I'm trying to shorten this story. And so I've always heard messages about, you know, being a failure and all this kind of stuff. But he was in a metamorphosis time. He went in as a prophet and he came out as a father. See, it wasn't just about him and his ministry anymore. It was about the fact that the Lord said, yep, go and appoint these people as kings, but I want you to go and find Elisha. Did you know they walked together for eight years? Elisha was with him all the time. And such, such, such was the depth of relation and the sense of calling as a father and a son was that Elijah just couldn't get rid of Elisha. He was like, you stay here because I'm going to another place. And he's like, no, I'm going where you're going. No, 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 you stay here and, and I'll go somewhere. No, 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 I'm going where you're going. There was a covenant between the two of them, not written on a tablet of stone, but in their heart. Is there an amen? Anyway, I'll get to that a little bit later next week. I'm getting off track. But there was all these different things that God was speaking to me through. And, you know, he was even speaking to me about soccer and my journey of soccer and, and, and coaching and just all this kind of stuff. But I realized that I, was in, that, I, that I was in, that that I'm in a bit of a meta, metamorphosis and that God is doing some internal adjustments ready for the next season, ready for the next part of what God is going to do in us and through us and amongst us. Is there an amen? And no, we're not going anywhere. The enemy hasn't shifted us out of this place. We ain't seen nothing yet. But sometimes we just have to let God do what he needs to do in our heart in the midst of the fire. Is there anyone else that's with me because in the shaking that is around us God is restoring the church I believe and maybe there is a little bit of division in the church because you know what in the end it's not about what song we sing it's not about how much scripture we know it's actually about do I actually know God and and am I actually standing for Jesus The ecclesia, the Greek word, ecclesia. It's, it's about his people together. It's the called out ones. It's the gathering 
The, the, the ecclesia is the gathering of the called out ones. And in the early church, we see that they met together in the temple courts. So they met together in large numbers. And it would be a bit like us going down to Soldiers Oval, you know, and we just call every Christian in there and we just gather in the temple courts and we, and we listen to the Word of God and we, and we fellowship together in that context. But then they also met in house to house. But as you've heard me say it before, their house churches were not 12 people. They were like 120 people or more. So they, so they met together in large numbers and they met together in smaller numbers. They were the called out people. What were they called out of? They called out of the world. They were, they were called out of sin. They were, they were called out of slavery and they were called to gather together. That was the ecclesia. You cannot be the ecclesia on your own. It can only be with other people. It's an assembly. I was thinking about in Jeremiah 6, 16, that this week, was a verse that the Lord spoke to me years and years ago. It says, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Then I was reminded about the wineskin. You know, it says that, it says that you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Yep. Because the wineskin had already stretched to its capacity, and if you put the, the new wine in it that as it fermented, the wineskin would just erupt because it couldn't hold it. So you had to put new wine in new wineskins. And I remember years ago going, oh, yeah, all, you know, old, like wineskins are like you, you, like you just chuck them out. They're old. You just chuck them out, and you get some new ones. But the, I, over the years, I learned that, that there was another method that they used more often than not, and it was actually a renewal of the wineskin. It wasn't chucking out the old wineskin and bringing a new wineskin. It was actually a restoration or a renewal of the old wineskin. Are you hearing me? So what they would do is that they would wash it. And the Word of God says that we are washed by the Word. The Word of God washes us. The Word of God cleanses us. Is there an amen? So they would wash it and then they would soak it in oil. Have a good soak in the Holy Spirit. Have a good fellowship. It's so scriptural, it's so biblical, it's not funny. You get washed by the Word, you get filled by the Spirit, and all of a sudden you're made new and you're ready for the new wine. So God is restoring. God is, God is, God is washing. God is cleansing and God is filling. One person's happy about that. Two people. Yes. Come on. Woo. You see, our mindset in the West, particularly our mindset is about doing. Our mindset is about uh, numbers. Our mindset is about ministry. Our mindset, our mindset is about tasks. But the, but, but the biblical mindset is about people. And it's always been about people. So when you, you know, nowadays we've all got numbers. You've got a Medicare number, you've got a Centrelink number, you've got a doctor's number, you've got all these kind of numbers. And all of a sudden we just like numbers. But no, 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 we are actually people. And it was always about people. And in the midst of it, God is restoring people's hearts for people. It's, we, we have to sh make a shift from ministry and assignments to people. And in fact, as I spoke on a month ago, 
about the different tribes, the different people that defected to David, and they became a people together. They were on assignment together. They were, they were doing it together. And I don't know about you, but we have to get back to the model of doing ministry together. Not just someone doing their ministry, but actually doing ministry together. Is there an amen? But as we come together as a people, there will be ministry and there will be assignments. So how does that lead us into that? Good question. You know, often in the Old Testament, not all the time, because there was different covenants, different covenants in the Old Testament, and if we kind of unpacked it, which we don't have time for today, we'd go through all the, all the different types of covenants in the Old Testament. But often in the Old Testament, an animal would die, would be killed, and it would be cut in half, and then two parties would walk between it. Yeah? There was a sacrifice that needed to be made, often. And so they would, cut, they would kill an animal, they would cut it, and they would walk between it. Two parties walking between it to signify that we are together in this. Yeah? Now, under the new covenant, which is what we live under, praise God, Jesus became our sacrifice. The Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb of God, He was the one that died so, so, so that we can enter into relationship. And He has done it all. The veil has been torn. The way has been made. He was a once and for all sacrifice for our sins. Amen? But there is still a response on our behalf. To think that there is no response needed is actually a lie. There is actually, we, there is actually needed a response. So we've partaked this morning and Jesus said in Luke 22, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. You see, biblical covenant is not merely a contract. It's not a contract in terms of a, just a legal thing that we go and there you go. It's a relationship. And it's foreign to us. And I was listening to something during the week, the same message about the Malachi mandate. And it just reinforced to me what God is trying to say to us as his people. The percentages are huge because there has been attack on fathers, there has been an attack on mothers, there has been an attack on the family. And in, and, and in some ways, we've, we've allowed that to come into the church, there's, that there's been an attack on mothers and fathers, that there's been an attack on family. And the rates are huge in terms of, they were American st statistics, but I don't think it would be too much different in Australia. Back in 1950, there was only 4% of children born out of wedlock, and now there's 51%. The rates of people that have found themselves in depression or in jail or juvenile and you know, all, all this kind of stuff, it's about father, fatherlessness. There, there has been an attack on fathers, there's been an attack on mothers, there's been an attack on family. And you know what? We have the answer, but we've got to deal with some stuff first. Is that okay? I think about the Apostle Paul. I was thinking last night. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. He said, I die daily. So what was he saying? I die daily. You see, the Apostle Paul, if we look at his 
writings, it was not about him, it was not about his ministry. It was about Jesus and it was about him being a blessing to other people, him strengthening, him building, him encouraging. He was not living for himself, he was living for the benefit of others. That's why he said, I die daily, because you know what? It's really easy just to live for the benefit of ourselves. And Jesus came and he took everything on, the weight of his shoulders. He took the sin of the world upon our shoulders. But he didn't do it, you know, just to make a way for us to have a pretty, happy, comfy life. No, that we would respond and say, as you died, I choose to die. That's why Jesus said, if you want to come follow me, you have to, make, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And I think much of the church, if I can just speak generically, we're trying to hold on to our life rather than just fully give our life to Jesus and to one another. Because the covenant that we have entered into with God, that Jesus has made the covenant for us, that the covenant that, that we've entered into when we're born again is not just between us and God. Yes, it is, but the inference is that it's also between us. You can't separate that axis of the cross from that axis of the cross. We can't separate the covenant out. We can't separate the covenant of God out. We can't do that. It takes two to tango. Think about a marriage. Let's turn. I'm going to just read some verses as we we go through this. In Matthew, it says, as Jesus was questioned about divorce, and he says, haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them in the beginning, male and female. And he said to them, Um, Then he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and will be joined or united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So no longer two, but now they are one flesh. You see, in a marriage covenant, you have to live for the benefit of the other. And it does take two to tango, unfortunately. Your heart could be fully given to the other person. But if the other person is not fully given back, there are issues. There can be divorce. You have to live for the benefit of the other person. And in the same way, as the people of God, we are called to live for the benefit of the other person. You start to read verses of Scripture about honouring one another and and lifting other up. You know what I mean? There's there's all kinds of verses, but the heart of it is, is that. It's not a rule. It's not a regulation. It's a heart thing that I'm, that I'm actually living for the benefit of the other person. In my marriage, I'm not just thinking about myself anymore. I'm thinking about Bonnie. And we do this thing we call marriage together. Because if we only focus on self, we end up in trouble, don't we? You think about that, that the two should become one. And then you think about the prayer of Jesus in John 17, where he prays for all disciples to come. And he says in John 17, verse 20, I pray not only for these, for the ones that were with him at that time, but I also pray for all those who will believe in me through their word. May they all become one as you Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you've given me so that they may become one as we are one. I am them in, and you are in me so that they may be brought completely to oneness. So this is this kind of covenant love. It's this heart thing where you actually start to carry people in your heart. That's why Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I've loved you. Do we, let's just break that down. It was a new commandment under the new covenant. And he says, love one another. It's not Tim just love Kathy. It's love one another. It's both ways. As I have loved you. That is the measure. And you go, man, and what was his measure? He laid down his life. Didn't he? Tell me. He laid his life down. I'm just checking. And Jesus said that. He said that in John 15. He says, this is my command, verse 12 and 13. This is my command, love one another as I've loved you. He says it again. And then he says this, no one has greater love than this. So this is, this is the bar. No one has greater love than this. Then you lay down your life for your friends. That is a measure of love. You lay your life down for another. 1 John 3.16 puts it this way. This is then how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's the kind of love that the world needs to see. That's the kind of love that sees more and more people brought into the kingdom of God. We have to get back to valuing the person. Not the gift, not the word, not the ministry, not, not this stuff, but we actually value the person. Is there an amen? The Lord spoke to me yesterday in Matthew 10. And it says in Matthew 10, the one who, in verse 40, the one who receives me welcomes me. And the one who uh, re receives, oh, sorry, and the one who receives me welcomes the one or receives the one who sent me. So that's the Father. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. You see, that's a great illustration about the prophet because we can always want the prophetic word. Have you got a word for me? 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 But no, 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 Jesus said you need to receive the prophet. It's about valuing the person. It's not just about what they can do for you. It's actually about the person. And I think in the midst of everything that is happening, in the midst of division and the, and the things that are happening in our land, that God is calling his church back to what we always should have been as a whole, that we could manifest covenant love, that we could manifest the heart of God, that all of a sudden that we see that his heart is for people and we begin to value people. When we begin to value people, everything starts to take, take, take on a different look. 
Because if I value Martin, I can see his heart. And I can see that his heart is for people, that his heart wants to know people. And even if we're different from each other, and even if he has some funny habits from time to time, <laughs> sorry, you didn't see that bit. I value the person because I see his heart. Yep. Yep. And we could go around this room today and you could look around you and you could start to see the value that is placed in each person. Some people have a value that they just want to hear from God. That's the, that's the prophetic. That they need to, you know, like they want to hear from God. They want to speak only what God says to bring forth. Some people have, you know, values in like, or, or have hearts for all kinds of things. But if you look around you, we need to see each other in that way. We don't see them as who they are in the flesh, in a sense. We see them who they are in God, and we begin to value the person. And when, when we start to value the person, the enemy's chance of division is minimal. Because personalities and all these kind of things start to fall down the, the pecking order because you see the person and you see the heart of God in them and you see them for who they are in Jesus and you begin to value them. Are we going okay? To receive one, so to receive a prophet or to receive someone, it's not just receiving what they bring, remember, it's receiving them. So the Greek word for receive here is you actually bring them into your, you actually create space and you bring them into your heart. That's what it means to receive somebody. Not just, hey, Kathy, how you going? Hey, Carolee, how you going? Sorry, we missed that one, didn't we? But it's, you're actually receiving them into your heart. And that's why when we read in Scripture, we can read verses like when one weeps, we all weep. And when one rejoices, we all rejoice. It's not just a good idea. It's because that we're in a sense of, of relationship with each other that if someone is struggling through something, that we go, you know what, we need to gather around them and we need to help them through this time in their life. I forgot to mention in the announcements, so please forgive me because um, I didn't write it down, but... Brian passed away last night. Uh, Dawn and Brian, who had started coming here over the last few months, yeah, so uh, he passed away. He's with Jesus. So Dawn needs your love. Yeah. So when one weeps, we all weep. But, one, but when one rejoices, we all rejoice. There's a sense of connectedness that God wants to develop and the enemy wants to do everything he can to stop that level of connectedness because he knows that when there's this synergy that he's in trouble. Amen? So I want to finish with this. Actually, let me say this first. This love covenant between believers requires a death. Because you don't live for yourself, you live for the benefit of the other person. Just like Olivia and Alyssa, they gave of themselves and they cleaned up. 
without being asked, without a thought. They just jumped in and they said, let's, let's just clean up. That is, that is a great example. What would it look like if we all lived that way? I've often said, what if, we, what if everybody gave two hours a week to serve, bless, pray for, encourage, do something for one another? What if we all did that? I can tell you what it would look like. We wouldn't need a pastoral care team anymore because the body would be caring for itself. The only reason we have a pastoral care team is because there's only a few people that do it. I don't know, there's other people that do stuff behind the scenes. I'm not saying that. But what if we could all give two hours a week? What if we gave 1.14% of our week to help one another? It requires the death. It's not about me anymore. But I want to say this, because the other passage that really spoke to me during the week, which I've spoken on before, but I saw something that I hadn't seen before, is in the book of Isaiah. Because this is the heart of God. Because this covenant love that we have been placed in the midst of, the love between the Son and the Father, that we have been placed in the midst of that, do we understand that? The love between the Father and the Son, we, we have been brought into that place of covenant love. This covenant love that we are not only in that place between the Father and the Son, but we are in it together as brothers and sisters, as family. You know, if that's where it stops, then we've missed that. Isaiah 58. Because you've heard me... Because one of my favourite verses in Isaiah 58 is verse 12. Because I believe that, is, that, that it is a prophetic word for now. And it says, Some of you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will restore the foundations laid long ago, long ago. You will be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets where people live. God is in the, in, in, in the business is not the word I'm trying to think of. But he's in the business of reconciling and restoring people and families, etc., etc. And it's a verse that I've always loved. But that I was kind of drawn back to Isaiah 58 and uh, in verse 2, and it says, They seek me day after day and delight to know my ways like a nation that does what is right. They ask me for righteous judgments and they delight in the nearness of God. And I went, whoa. When this was shown to me, I was like, whoa. They delight in the nearness of God. So here were the people of God delighting in the nearness of God. Amen? That's a good thing, isn't it? Don't we delight in the nearness of God? Don't we want His presence? Don't we, you know, like, like in worship or whatever, like Jason was saying, something was happening at camp and he was just like, oh, wow. We delight in the nearness of God. And there's something that if we're not feeling that, we're like, oh, what's going on? We, we delight in the nearness of God. And here, we, and, and, and here were his people that were delighting in his nearness. Yet, it goes on to say that they'd fasted, they denied themselves, but yet there were some heart issues that God was addressing. And then on the other end of that, this is what, this is what he says. Isn't this the kind of fast that I have chosen? to break the chains of wickedness, to untie the ropes of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to tear off every yoke. This is pretty good, isn't it? 
Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the poor and homeless into your house? To clothe the naked when you see them and to not ignore your own flesh and blood? You see, this covenant love, if it only stops here, we're still missing something. You see, these people delighted in the nearness of God. They delighted in the nearness of God. Yet God was saying to them, I want you to go. Go away, wasp, in Jesus' name. Um, they delighted, but God was saying, no, 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 but there's, there's, there's more. He said, oh, I have called you to set the oppressed free. I've called you to break every chain. I've called you to set the captives free. I've called you, I've called you, I've called you, I've called you. So you see this covenant love that we've been invited into between the Father and the Son, that we are in covenant love with one another. And yes, God is wanting to do a deeper work in us that we would value each other more than we have ever valued each other before. But then, as a people, together, we are on assignment. We are in ministry together to set the oppressed free, to break off every yoke, to share our food, to do what we need to do. And Bundaberg is looking for us to not only be a covenant people, that when people come in, they can sense family. They can see the generations together. Did you know when the generations have been divided that it's a curse? The generations were never meant to be divided. They were meant to display the, the love and the power and the glory of God together. There is a curse on our land when the generations are separate from one another. So we're calling into this into this covenant. Jesus called, called us into this covenant. Children, mothers and fathers, grandparents together. But he's also saying to us, will you be the fathers and the mothers for the fatherless and the motherless? Will you be the ones that will uh, help set the captives free? This is part of covenant love. That we would not only value one another, but that we would see the value in other people even though they do not see it and they do not understand it at this point in time because Jesus died for them as well. So are we willing to go to another level? Are we willing to go to another level in love? I know at times we can say, oh, that's just him speaking about love again. You hear comments from time to time. But God's love is so deep. So deep. It's not a well that you get to the bottom of and go, found it. It's a well that never runs dry. So what are, what are you saying, Tim? What is God saying? I'm saying in the, in the midst of battles and struggles that we face, in the midst of everything that happens around us, we continue to say, God, you do what you need to do in me. Do a metam metamorphosis in me from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Do what you need to do in me. Lord, because I need more of your love. Lord, help me to value my brothers and sisters the way that you see them. Help me to not just see the gifts. Help me to not just see the ministry. Help me to not just see a checklist. Check, 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 check. But help me to see the person that you created. And help me to love them. But then, Lord, together, 
as the ecclesia, as the called out ones gathered together. God, we ask for you to open up those, assi- those, those opportunities together, that we would do it together. Jesus always sent people out two by two. It was never just someone doing their thing. It was always, no, you do it together. I think we're heading into a time when, I think Brooke was saying before, acceleration, sprint, sprint to the finish line. Every part of you might be crying out the opposite, but, you know, we are in a time where we need to be very intentional about some things. Did you see my music team? You can come up. We can. Did you see my little post during the week, the word that Bonnie and I released during the week? No? Some people did. I believe this is the heart of God about a grassroots movement, about each and every person sharing the gospel because you have been given authority to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Is there an amen? Every single one of you has the authority to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But there, is a, but, but there is a diversity in how we do that. There is a complete diversity because we are not like each other. But the matter is that we have authority to share the gospel and to make disciples. And so I want to encourage you to say, God, and even pray, say, God, help me to share the gospel. Help me to share the good news. Help me to be sold. Help me to be light. Lord, I ask for these opportunities to come in Jesus' name. Because what happens is if we all start making disciples, all of a sudden, not only do we grow and accelerate, but we see other people come into the kingdom of God. That is the wineskin that, that, that it was always meant to be. The wineskin of family. The wineskin of body ministry. The wineskin that everyone has a part to play. This is a renewing and a, and a refreshing There's that verse that's in, was it Song of Songs? About the little foxes that would seek to ruin the vineyard of love. And isn't it interesting that it's the vineyard of love? It's the love feast. The enemy would always try to come and spoil the love feast because the love feast is so powerful. So, Lord, we pray today. Maybe let's just stand. Jesus. Lord, for those that are here today that are struggling with the answer, am I really loved? Lord, may every root be pulled out in Jesus' name that every single one of us would not leave this place today without knowing that we are really loved. We are truly loved. That every thought would be taken captive and it would be made obedient to Christ. That we would know that we are accepted. You are loved. You are secure. And if that's you, if you're struggling with that today, I just want to encourage you to come and receive some, some prayer Receive some ministry and and allow the Spirit of God because I just feel there's at least someone here today that's still struggling with that thing. Am I loved? Am I really loved? So God, we just, uh, yeah, we just pray. But God, we just ask that you would help us to love. Lord, that we would receive the fullness of your love. God, your word says that you've poured your love out into our hearts by your Spirit, oh God. 
Lord, we ask that we would have a revelation of that love, that we would start to love one another more and more and more. God, help us to see beyond the ministry, to see beyond the task, to see beyond the assignment. Help us to see the person, oh God. Help us to value one another. Lord, to honour and to value one another the way that you do, Jesus. Lord, that you would continue to have your way in our midst, O oh God, and amongst us. But God, give us a, re- a fresh revelation that we are called to set the captives free. We are called to break every yoke. We are called to see heaven come to earth. We are called to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are called to see reconciliation. We are called to see restoration. We are called to see healing. We are called to see salvation. We are your kingdom ambassadors here in this region, O oh God. So, Lord, I pray, God, you continue to awaken our hearts, O oh God. Awaken our hearts to these truths. Awaken our hearts to the truth of your word, O oh God. Lord, stir up a fire within us afresh today. Even today, God, where the enemy would try to come in and, Lord, snuff that fire out, God. Burn like a fire within us, O oh God that we would know the calling and the purpose that we have together in you. Because it is your kingdom come and it is your will be done. Jesus. We want to be a people of relationship, not religion. Amen. Is there an amen? Relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Relationship with one another. And relationship with those around us. We don't want to just come and listen to a word. We don't want to just come and do something and then leave and never be changed. But we need to be changed. Lord, we ask that your Spirit would continue to work in us, O God. Lord, those aspects of our heart and and life, God, that are not functioning, God, that they would come alive in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus.